Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the weekly podcast from the Marketing Minds at DoYouConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today is Jackie and Becca, because Andrew, the ad doctor, is cruising around the Caribbean in deep preparation for the International Builders Show coming up in just a couple of weeks. I think actually he's hopefully just drinking Mai Tais. <laughs> I hope so too. Yeah. Me too. Hi, everyone. Yeah, welcome to episode number 45, recorded on February 8th, 2019. Jackie, as official co-host, it's it's your duty to transition us into story time. I will gladly do that. This past week, oh, which by the way, I'm putting baby talk aside, and I'm actually going to dive into something that happened to me this past week at awesome. work. So, I mean, we love baby talk. I know, right? But, you know, baby talk, I, I feel like I do that all day. <laughs> I feel like I do that all day anyway, so this is a nice break. Um, So this past week, I actually had a builder partner that sends out emails once in a blue moon, come to me and request five automated emails to be mass sent out over the span of five weeks. Now, this isn't correlated to a campaign. So this kind of had, you know, a little bit of one of my red flags kind of waving. So Mm -hmm. I then compared it to a strategy that another builder partner that we work with, they're really Mm -hmm. religious with sending two emails out a month with a consistent target send date of the 1st and the 15th. So complete opposite spectrums here. This more or less led me back to thinking of my top three email marketing best practices I found to be most successful. Hmm. So if you're cool with it, I was going to just kind of share real quick, you know, teacher time, transition (laughs) from story time to teaching time. I like it. So just using that story and those comparisons to Number one, sending on the right frequency. So I found that, you know, many of our builder clients can tend to fall into a habit of a crazy send schedule. And whether that's sending out two emails one month, bombarding prospects or buyers, you know, when they launch a new campaign to then going silent for a couple months. So to me, this is difficult to find any kind of relationship or building that with people you're sending emails to. So whether you're sending once a week, once a month or several times a month, just try to be consistent with your sent schedule. I think it's interesting that as marketers, sometimes we think that our customers aren't really paying attention and won't notice things like that. Yeah. yeah. But we totally do, right? Yes. If I don't get my, <laughs> like Banana Republic sends me an email pretty much every 48 hours with some type of new, right. and I don't open yes. it unless I'm imminently going to be going to the store. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't happen for a week, I notice it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, and then, the other side of it is, you know, whether it's Target or anywhere else, if you get multiple ones in a day or a week, then you're starting to, you're clicking your preferences and you're either opting out or, you know what I mean? So there's definitely trying to find that good, happy medium. Next, I have the, you know, choosing the right time. So I know I found this across a couple studies and also through personal experiencing with scheduling different emails. Tuesday tends to be somewhat of the better day. I know (laughs) Wednesdays come in second place with that. But all we, you know what, and even personally, everybody's different. So whether going back through your own open rates and finding out what tends to be the most popular, um, you know, you don't want to end up choosing Friday at 6pm or (laughs) Monday, you know, certain things depending on your open rate. Yeah, Um, Yeah, a little trial and error is totally okay. Right. You can go off of best practices. And the other interesting thing about this, Jackie, is for maybe about two years, my answer would have been to someone that doesn't really matter what time Mm -hmm. we send 
resend the emails because you would just resend to the people who didn't open with the new subject line. Right. Although we talk a lot about at our different events. And yeah. And but now because of the penalty box of being put into the promotions tab in mm-hmm. Gmail, mm-hmm. you don't want to be resending to people who didn't open at the same aggressive rate that we used to uh, yeah. see as OK, because it, that wasn't happening. But now you want to try to get a good time and and not necessarily just resend, resend, resend. I agree. And yeah, I know even just our last chat together with that, you know, the content, the, the quality mm-hmm. versus the quantity kind of back to that, too. So and then my last one is limit emails to a featured focused call to action. You know, the point of every message is to get those openings to take the next easy step. And so if you give out too much information right off the bat or have too many calls to action in your email, it can come across a little too distracting, messy, or even just fail to do the one thing you really want them to do. So focus on a single most important featured content section. I know when I build out some of these newsletters, we have that right up top. So it yep. kind of sa- says, you know, what you want them to take away from it. And then save some of your other high priority messages for future emails. So it's not too much. Yeah, you can spread it out. And yeah. that's, I think the only other point of clarity there was, are you saying only communicate one thing for the entire newsletter? Like if this is a broad piece, yeah. would you still say one single idea? Or are you just saying per kind of content section? I think even just more or less, you know, building out these newsletters, I always tend to have a secondary featured section. But, Mm -hmm. you know, we dive into some of those newsletters that have three or so. And I think just having one, whether that's community based, having whether grand opening or something that's, I guess, a hot topic with. And even when we do multiple pieces for a builder partner, from a design perspective, you can tell what is the priority because it's placed at the top. And also it's much larger as a section Mm -hmm. with different amounts of content, whereas then individual inventory homes or, or other things are going to have a smaller. Yeah, because I know, Kevin, you know, when we dove into some statistics and we found that yep. if there's too many call to action buttons, too many things for people to click on, they it, it tends to really muddy the results. You know, they you think that giving more is better, but sometimes isn't. So especially when we talk about inventory homes, you know, people yeah. want to send yeah. out these virtual listings of their entire website with 50 links and yeah. much yeah. better to just say, click here to view all of our inventory homes. I think the other thing too, Jackie, I'm interested is I think sometimes people just think if they put in 15 different buttons yeah. or 15 different links for a p- content piece, then that can make up for not writing something that is actually mm. well-written or intriguing yeah. or yeah. Um, having good content that could just, again, goes back to let's just go over quantity over quality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I completely agree. So those that's kind of my takeaway from having those two situations that happened this week to me. So how about how about you, Kevin or Becca? Well, this week I have been seeing an increased number of declined ads from Facebook. Oh, oh. yes. <laughs> so most oh of them had no reason to be declined. Although mm-hmm. Facebook gave me the reason that it did not comply with the standards. So yeah. I happily mm. resubmit and it went back through <laughs> and passed. Oh, you're kidding. Oh no. my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And we had one, it wasn't just an ad um, for one of the master plan communities you were with the entire ad account was yes. shut off what? and it's and it made it appear that it was because and this was an ad account that was not owned by us we have access to it of course but it wasn't owned by us and so my concern at first was that maybe that the other company that had um, it wasn't the builder but another company that had the rights to that campaign perhaps mm. for another client of theirs like maybe they were doing something for a future presidential <laughs> candidate or something that was nefarious and so the whole <laughs> account had been shut down oh, as yeah. a response to that yeah. so right before Andrew went out on the cruise uh, he reached out 
out to our, our Facebook contact and CC'd me. And she replied first thing the next morning and said, oh, yeah, you know what? This is just happening a lot right now. It wasn't real encouraging. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, we're having a lot of issues with campaigns um, being stuck kind of in mm. purgatory, just not getting approval, especially yes. we already have talked before about you're not going to get approval very quickly anymore, yeah. especially for video related content. But some of them are being stuck in there for multiple days until we ping Facebook again directly and say, hey, what's going on? And she said, yeah, just a lot of accounts and ads are being shut down or denied. Oh, and when so they look into it, there's really no reason for that to be happening. So she kind of just said, sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Resubmit and all will be fine. So. Yeah. Well, that's, that's. I mean, at least it's going through that second time, but still, that's kind of a pain in the butt. <laughs> well, it yeah. pays to look at your emails just to make right. sure your ads go through. Mm-hmm. My story time is just that merger and acquisition season continues. Mm. <laughs> yes. We have another builder partner. I think this makes three or four so far in the last 30 to 60 days who wow. is merging this time with a company from up north in Canada. Now, just to clarify, they weren't purchased or acquired because of lack of sales or results on the sales end at all. Typically for other reasons like land challenges, product challenges, or simply someone seeing a larger opportunity because of the growth that was occurring. You know, I just, I think this is going to continue and for a couple mm-hmm. different reasons that I thought I'd just break down. One, I think builders are seeing this need for change in product, change in process and strategy to meet a different kind of consumer with different kinds of expectations. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. And so I think, in fact, I know we've talked to some builders at the Builder Show and other places like that who say, yep, I'm kind of actively shopping because I the houses I build now are not the kind of homes that I think a millennial is going to want, especially move up buyers, right. you know, two yeah. to five years from now. And I just, that's too much work for a company my size. I think part of it's also generational. Just, it seems like a wave of people who are in their mid forties to mid fifties who are ready to be done. They just see kind of the next, whether it's the, the, at some point, right. The decline of mm-hmm. the cyclical way that the industry works, or again, just the amount of energy required. And they say, nope, some of it's just the capital intensiveness to get the right land positions. You know, yeah. sometimes yeah. we talk with people who they're really good at identifying before others and, and getting connections made to find the right farm and the right golf course to turn into a community, et cetera. But they just have a different challenge of trying to make the numbers work and, and kind of a fear to take the the step out to the next higher price point to do so. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, Jackie, you and I both know from yeah. NBR's perspective, their economies of scale of how they buy lumber and buy drywall mm-hmm. and all those things really helps them to have a different comfort level taking on those different price points and still being able to get the margin that Absolutely. they want. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think there is just some opportunity too, where people are growing really well because they have great processes and they're on the hunt. So there are certainly not as many as I wish there were, but a lot of good, young, hungry groups of people who are doing great things and they're seeing an opportunity to get land positions in other places. So mm-hmm. definitely see more mergers and acquisitions yet to come in 2019. Yeah. I, I was coming back from my maternity leave. I was That was one shocking thing. I feel like when I came back, that was the big news. Mm, I was like, catch yeah. me up, everyone. And left and right, <laughs> you know, this was acquired. This had, you know, they they molded into one. I, I couldn't believe it. So it's mm-hmm. very interesting. And it's a good thing too. Absolutely. It's been interesting because of my perspective going through the acquisition when NVR purchased Heartland back in 2013 and being around and leading through that over two years. Definitely been useful to be able to draw upon that experience to talk to people who are not just people we work with, but people who reach out and say, oh my gosh, we just got bought. What's going to happen? Kind of oh, yeah. letting that them understand. Initial, that. initial fear, right? Like the, Yeah. 
you know, well, it's going to go one of probably three ways. And <laughs> here's how to think about each one of them. And the, the main thing is you just you have nothing to fear ever right. as long as you're really good at what you do. Mm-hmm. If you're marginal, what you do and you've been yeah. hiding because of relationships and whatever else, be scared. Oh, I have one more story to talk about being scared. I'm scared to say this, but I'm going <laughs> to write the blog post this week and it's going to be out there because it just hit me this morning <laughs> that I, I kind of want to poke people a little bit and rile them up to say that if you don't have direct and unrestricted access to your own Google Analytic account, mm, I, I don't think you should. I don't think you should have the title of marketing manager, marketing director, VP of marketing, chief marketing officer, any of that. I, I think yeah. it's impossible now mm-hmm. to, especially as we everyone now is talking, thankfully, about data and the importance of it and making decisions. If you don't have direct and unrestricted access and you don't own that account, I think you should change your title to something else. I'm mm-hmm. not sure what that is yet. <laughs> it's kind of like chief guessing officer or... <laughs> The gut feeling department. Oh gosh. Liaison. I don't know what that is. I'll, I'll wordsmith something for the blog post, but <laughs> be, it just we'll... really got me when I was talking to someone <laughs> last week who didn't have it in a pretty large organization, and they just didn't think there was anything really even surprising about that to me. I don't know. It just it continues to baffle me a little bit. Yeah. With, yeah. Really? Yeah. They're, well, they're like, well, I get reports. I whatever I ask for, I can see. Why would I want to kind of get my hands dirty and and look at that stuff? And mm. I just think, oh my goodness. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. I think you need mm-hmm. that control Yeah, just to be able to have power moves. I mean, I feel like your hands are tied at that point, just getting stats back and having someone else kind of rule that. Yeah, because everything's always going to go through someone's filter then, right. you know, and there, there's definitely yeah. things that are okay to do that with. But I don't think something as, as important as who is looking at your website, how, from where, for how mm-hmm. long, what are they doing next, what goals are, you know, all that stuff. I just don't know how you let anyone else filter that for you first. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, that's Owner Get a pass if you're in marketing. <laughs> change your title or get access. Well, you have to have the comments on for that blog post. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd be curious to hear the interaction after that's posted. Yeah, that's okay. It won't be the first time that I'm not Mr. Popular. All right, oh, let's uh, let's shift over to the news. And we've got a theme today. Kind of makes me want to sing the Sesame Street song, uh, but I won't do that. And and I was just doing final prep for some of the talks to be going on Builder Show in a couple of weeks. And I just keep coming back to this point of a few people that I've talked to in leadership positions at Builders, no longer based upon simply November and December sales results, no longer having the same confidence or belief that social media really has an impact mm. on mm. results for their company. And so I I was kind of smacked in the face with, let's just start with the first one, actually. This one hit me this morning as I was getting ready um, from CNBC. And the title of the article is, IHOP's fake name change helped itself four times more hamburgers. And (laughs) that's a lot of hamburgers. It is. uh, They said at its peak, half a million burgers per week were being sold. Wow. And I feel like anyone who is on social media saw this, this campaign. I mean, this was like news in my newsfeed for that week or two. Yeah. And to be clear, it was a PR stunt as well as social media. They got a lot of news outlets talking about it. Yeah. But where it stuck around to seep into someone's consciousness was on social for sure. And they talk about Chief Marketing Officer Brad Haley said at Brand Week that the company sold four times more burgers at the campaign. They used the marketing stunt to promote their new line of burgers designed to lure in customers during lunchtime. They've actually been selling burgers for years, but everyone thought because of their name that they were breakfast (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> 
And this is the key part. There was skepticism that IHOP could translate the 1.2 million tweets about the campaign in the first 10 days into sales, but the stunt has paid off. So right, this is all they're really focused on was Twitter, which of the three, let's be clear, that's like (laughs) way down there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But 1.2 million tweets in the first 10 days because of the PR. So it's definitely a combo, but I just thought when that hit me, I thought, okay, we have to talk today about a couple other Mm -hmm. perspectives of news articles about the impact of social. That's the most Absolutely. fun one for sure. Yeah. Which I will say I have not gotten a burger from IHOP. So maybe I need to, me maybe I need to change that. No, not <laughs> no. until they make a <laughs> burger whose buns are pancakes. Is it worth trying? Maybe oh, like bacon and like in there is the actual burger or something. Totally yes. take that. And Martha from Tuscas Home sent me a text at like, I don't know, 730 this morning mm-hmm. because IHOP just announced their pizza sized pancake called the Pancita. What? <laughs> to celebrate <laughs> National Pizza Day, which falls on Saturday. So they're they're continuing to try to get this wave of, of social buzz to translate into sales. We'll see how that... Uh, as long as yeah, it's it, working, it actually, yeah. It comes in a pizza box. Oh, no way. That's, that's yeah. pretty cool. cool. It's going to be a terrible pancake. But, <laughs> maybe, uh, but who's not going to try right. it? <laughs> not me. I mean, I'm, I, I will definitely... I'll order that tonight. It's oh. Friday night. <laughs> Kevin's dinner the next week. Pancake pizza night. Pancake. So the uh, the next one, and we'll take turns kind of reading out these facts and our our responses back to them. But the other news article here comes from the Pew Research Center. Ten facts about Americans and Facebook. And this was published on February 1st. And number one, to kick things off, two thirds, 68 percent of U.S. adults use Facebook. Two thirds of adults, people who spend money, large amounts of money. uh, I could definitely see that, if not even more. Yeah, I don't find that surprising at all. Now, what is surprising? to me is that YouTube is at 73% of adults wow. say they're using YouTube and Instagram is 35%. Huh. So, you know, lots of talk about thought, the Instagram. Yeah. But. Yeah. I, I mean, I was surprised. I'm yeah. surprised to even hear that YouTube is for adult wise, even higher than Facebook. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I'm not really because everybody needs to learn how to do oh, something. At some I, point. That's actually really good. I, I like that. And that's where you go. That's right. Yeah. I was, I was traveling, I forget point. where a couple months ago and our dishwasher my wife wanted to take it apart. She said it smelled and I was gone. I was like, you know what, honey, I love you to death. You should just go get a screwdriver and take that thing apart. Fix it. No problem. <clears throat> Find the filter, switch it out. It'll be, it'll be easy. And she's like, how do I do that? And I said, just YouTube it. It'll be great. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so she took it on, finished the project, felt great about herself, but had one extra screw left over. Oh no. <laughs> the dishwasher never worked again. And now we have a brand new KitchenAid. Oh my gosh. Dishwasher. <laughs> But generally speaking, (laughs) YouTube is a great way to learn how to do something. You know how they have those like Pinterest fails? That's like a YouTube fail there. Yeah. But that's a, Becca, that's such a good point. I think back and it's like, you know, have yeah. you learned how to tie a tie? You, you, you know, YouTube. It's just kind of funny to think back through the years. You just learned so much yeah. from it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. All right. Among U.S. adults who use Facebook, around three quarters visit the site at least once a day, which that is very believable. That's 74%. Yeah. So in comparison, at least once a day is higher than the shares who visit Snapchat, Instagram, at least once a day as well. So so. Yeah, because I think of, that's surprising because I think of Instagram folks as Instagram kind of as a hybrid between Twitter and Facebook. And mm-hmm. I've always felt like yeah. Instagram users are really heavy. Like if I put content on there in mm-hmm. the first 10 minutes, 
minutes or an hour might get a lot of interaction, then almost nothing after that. Yeah. yeah but this I is agree. saying that adult usage of Instagram anyway, mm-hmm. not the case. And I think if you do the math, that 74% who visit once a day of the 68% who visit once a day, mm-hmm. I think that's almost half of America visiting it yeah. Yeah. Facebook at least once a day. I mean, that's pretty impossible. Yes. Mm-hmm. And like I've even said before, you know, just add a habit, uh, whether that's in an elevator or in a doctor's office in the waiting room. Like it's just to me personally, that's like the first thing I do. And yep. so I think yeah. a lot of, um, I don't know if you guys do that too, but I think a lot of people will probably find that habit to do that. Yeah. Becca, you and do number three? Facebook is popular among all demographic groups, though some adults are more likely to use it than others. Mm. Nearly three quarters of women in the U.S. use the platform. That's all that matters because, wow. you know, women right? don't yeah. rule the entire world yet, but they rule the pocketbook <laughs> of every household that I know. I lo- That's funny to see that. 74% of women in the U.S. Yes. That's, that's amazing. And only 62% of men. Oh. And eight in 10, 81% of those ages 18 to 29 use Facebook. Mm, I think yeah. that's a key number right there. And we see this yeah. too. I mean, we're encouraging builders for sure to be shifting some of their dollars in paid social advertising from mm-hmm. purely Facebook to Facebook and Instagram. However, the yeah. vast majority of those dollars should still be invested in Facebook. You're going to get the biggest return there from a paid standpoint, yeah. without a yeah. doubt. Instagram is good, but mm-hmm. 18 to 29 is the group that everyone, I feel like, if you did an yeah. informal poll at the Builder Show in the hallway, they would say, you want to reach 18 to 29 year olds, where do you go? They would say Instagram. And that leads us yeah. back to number four, which is that Facebook is used by around half of America's teens, but it no longer dominates the teen social media landscape as it once did. So again, still half of America's teens say they use it. They just don't yeah. use it most often. So the most mm-hmm. often social network actually used by teens is Snapchat. Again, social network that you're going to have great difficulty trying to make money yeah. on as a builder right now. Yeah. Yeah. I could see, you know, with teens now with so many different varieties of things that they could go to, it makes sense that their time is split from Facebook for that reason. Yeah. Yep. Something new. Yep. Something new. I feel like every year or two. Well, you know what's funny? I see a lot of people that will go on like a fasting of Facebook for a month yeah. or like Lent, you know, like give it up for Lent or different yeah. things. Like I've, I've found that to be something that's very common. Yep. Well, I, I pulled it off my phone for the simple reason that it was killing my battery mm. and I got annoyed with it. But you know yeah. what? Everyone brings it back. It's like you're... I oh, did. Yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. All right, well, we already talked about so, that, so let's just do number nine. <laughs> I love number okay. nine, yeah. <laughs> you're up, Jackie. Awesome. All right, number nine, around three quarters of Facebook users are not aware that the site lists their traits and interests for advertisers which this is very interesting for those that don't know that. 74% of adult Facebook users are not aware that they, as in Facebook, collects this information. Ooh. Yeah. So they that's the only risk to the to the network really is yeah. if they're not aware, once they are most aware. But I would say that that risk is already passing. I mean, the number of stories and articles, if people weren't paying attention over the last six months about the fact that Facebook yeah. is doing this, wow. <laughs> I'm not sure how they're going to know. Uh, but I think that's the only yeah. risk is that people have this visceral reaction and delete the app, but it's just not happening yet. It's not happening no. yet. Right now, it's still the yeah. best place. I don't know, guys. Uh, you're, you're feel free to disagree. If a builder <laughs> said, I only have $1,000 a month to advertise, what should I do? Right now, I would tell them to put some of that into photography and video content mm-hmm. and all the rest <laughs> <Yep>. of it <laughs> into Facebook. Just Facebook, actually. I yeah. agree. Same. Same. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So those are some fun stats. And now let's get to the, the least happy 
but I think the most impactful in terms of understanding the importance of social media and its influence in our lives. This last one comes from Reuters. Uh, Exclusive, Facebook brings stricter ad rules to countries with big 2019 votes. And it says Mm -hmm. basically that they are going to set up these new rules for India, Nigeria, Ukraine, and the entire EU before significant votes occur in the next few months because everyone is so worried that a couple of fake news stories and ads on the network are going to cause outcomes to be different than they would otherwise be. Mm, That makes sense. It makes sense if you believe that it has that power. (laughs) Which I don't know about you, but I feel like on Facebook, how many many people get on their soapbox or any type of political stance and kind of Mm -hmm. constantly are sharing different stories and very interesting. Yeah. And that's going to occur naturally. What they're worried about is putting a couple dollars behind those and turning those ideas and turning them into ads will cause Mm. irreparable harm. In fact, some people call Facebook the greatest nuclear weapon on the planet right now because of its <laughs> ability to alter human behavior in mm-hmm. outcomes and of, of major elections and things like that. So we're not here to talk about the right, wrong or whatever right. of that. Just if it can do all those things, I, I wonder how builders can still struggle with believing that it could impact someone into coming out to visit their home or to make a purchase. It's just I don't understand. Mm-hmm. So we're going to try mm-hmm. to wrap that all together at the Builders Show and mm. really make that as clear and an impactful presentation and, and try to change change as many people's minds as we can. Its importance, can, I don't think, can be overstated. And not not just Facebook, all yeah. of social media, but, but certainly Facebook in particular. Especially since half of the United States is looking at it at least once a day. Mm-hmm. But not my buyers, Becca. No, my buyers <laughs> oh. still like their billboards and their newspaper ads. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I I don't I don't understand, but that's okay. We'll, we'll try to <laughs> keep helping them come around. The last news story is really just a, a good PSA. Moz has been rewriting the piece of content that made them originally famous. It's called The Beginner's Guide to SEO. And it's really for many, many years been considered kind of the preeminent introduction to folks about what SEO is, how it works, and, and all of the basic things that you need to know. It was originally written by the company's founder, Rand Fishkin, and now it's been being rewritten. And so it's just a good time to jump in. I think they're on chapter six. So there's been six different rather in-depth posts at this point, but in the show notes here, we'll link to chapter one. And anytime that you get a refresh by a company as well respected about a topic as this one is, it's a good time to jump in. And if you're still a little bit nervous about what SEO is and is not, I would highly recommend you check that out in the show notes or visit moz.com and search for Beginner's Guide to SEO. Yeah, that's this looking through, this is a great reference. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. There were some really good tips and explanations yep. in there. Mm-hmm. If someone emails us out of the blue and says, hey, what do you think about SEO or what do I need to know to help my builder with SEO? We just literally shoot them back <laughs> a link and say, this is a great place to start. <laughs> Maybe a couple of Rand's Whiteboard Fridays is videos on YouTube are helpful as well. But you know, sometimes when you do that, you could get the reaction of, thanks for nothing. I could have found that on my own, right? <laughs> I could have just Googled that. In every single case, people reply back with, oh my gosh, this is amazing. It's a lot, but yeah. it's amazing. Thanks so much. So make sure you check it out. Yeah. All right, that'll do it for the news. We'll take a quick break and we come back through the magic of podcasting. Andrew is going to join us to talk about his 60 hours on site with a home builder. We wanted to embed him with a home builder to let him see what it's like day in and day out, not just as a as a consultant and partner on the digital side. We'll see what he was surprised by and what he did to help sell a house that I think was almost two and a half years, three years old. Oh my gosh. Go yeah, Andrew. A lot of birthdays. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be right back. <laughs> 
And we're back. You know, the general rhythm we like having is guests one week, no guests one week, just so we have time to have conversations like this. And I'm really excited to pick your brain, Andrew, because obviously we did this when this happened. And I intentionally didn't probe as deeply into kind of all of your thoughts because I wanted to be able to do it on the show. So live in person on the show with everyone listening. Awesome. Are we allowed to say who it was that you went to go spend uh, 60 hours with? Ooh, you know, I had a blog post about about it, Mm -hmm. but I left out names. Mm. I feel like he'd be okay, but maybe, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I feel, feel like, like you weren't too scarred for, <laughs> I was going to say it wasn't. Wait, it's all, it's all positive. Yeah. That's I, what I was going to say. I'll just bleep it every time we say anything. You know. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Okay. So he went out to go see, uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, every year we try to get everyone at the company to do something, whether it's go to a non-industry conference, uh, do something that is self-development oriented. That's on a, on a larger scale. And it kind of hit me last year. I want to send Andrew to a builder because you've never worked for a builder before just to see all the things Ever. that are not what we do all the time. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to, we wanted you to get a full flavor of all the of well-rounded experience of what it's like to be a builder. Why some things that seem like they should be easy at times can become more difficult and just all the the different demands on people's time who are in the seat uh, mm-hmm. at, at builders around the country. So let's just do a quick overview of your experience. Woo. Sound good? Let's get going. Ready? Yeah. What day of the week did you arrive and what was on the agenda? Yeah, it was a Wednesday. If I believe, you know, I really should pull up my calendar on this. I believe <laughs> it was a Wednesday. Flew in Wednesday. Nice. Flew home on Friday. First thing we did, we went to the design center, which I've never been. So all this stuff is probably people are like, what? You've never been to a design studio. You're, you make our ads like you're crazy well, now you've been to two now yeah, i've been exactly. to two and i've been digitally to many but this is yeah. my first in-person one i was blown away actually i'm like this is this is awesome like they the way they have it set up is done really well especially comparing yeah. it to another one i've been to and purchased through yep. and that was well I- Design studio is large. It's, it's large. not like a small little room off to the side or I mean, it's it's a nope. good size building. And there's complete thoughts, which is what contrasting to KB's just because everyone knows I'm talking about KB. Like ideal has like, here's a kitchen. Here's another kitchen. Here's another kitchen. And it's like all you can be like, I just want this kitchen right here. Just pick everything out. That's right here. <laughs> Versus like, here's four feet of cabinets. And this is this type of cabinet. Here's another four feet. But that has a different counter. So different. I'm sure there's different theories and, and thoughts on like why you should do one versus the other. I I would imagine. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm like, just like, I need to build a new house now. I'm building a new house. This is it. Like, this is this is great. That was the first first setup. And so he was in charge of that as well, right? So he's VP of sales and marketing. Yeah, he, he and covers everything. Design studio. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we had a quick meeting with, I forgot her name, but she's in charge of the design studio. Mm-hmm. And we, we just went over the process of like how much time it takes to actually meet with mm-hmm. the design, with the client, the customer, the buyer. And then after the fact, what's that type of process look like? And just it was the, the intent was, can we do anything to increase efficiencies yep. and the whole thing, which obviously, you know, you're picking out 200 items, 150 items. I don't know. You have to know all the different codes and whatnot. So it's, you know, it's obviously labor intensive to make sure it's all ordered directly and with purchasing and all that. So Andrew, what surprised you the most, would you say going through? I was still surprised. And this was before I even went to the other, other builders for them, just the, you walk in and you're like, Oh, like, this is awesome. Like it's, I was just surprised that like, you're, even though it's, I kind of expected like, Hey, it's going to be cool. The outside it looks great. It's a great building. But then you go inside, you're like, what? This is awesome. Like there's all these like, look at this cool kitchen. This is a farmhouse style kitchen right here. Mm-hmm. I'm on HG 
HGTV. This is amazing. Then you go around the corner, like here's a little different, more traditional style. It's not overwhelming, but it's it's very yeah. inspiring for a possible buyer. I think if they went there first and they're thinking about building, that's yeah. maybe it's my brain, but like that's more exciting. Like look at all these Lego blocks we get to put together. Uh, I feel like, to, I, like I agree. I I think it would make someone go in and get to get to visualize it. I know a model a perfect example for that too, but getting to see a variety of different options to know this isn't just one thing that you get. You can kind of be able yep. to, yeah. to customize it a little bit to what you want it to be. The thought being instead of like, oh, we'd want to change that. That was nice, but we'd want to change that in a model home. Mm-hmm. If they do want to build, they go there first. It might be like, oh, look at, we have so much stuff to choose from. This is awesome. Like, yeah. I really like that. It's all, I like this. I like that. I like that versus I would want to change that, but I kind of like the mm-hmm. ports or whatever. And that's why a preview night is so important where there are builders who have rules where you cannot enter a design studio unless you have written a contract. It's like the walled mm-hmm. garden. You may not Things. enter. Yeah. And so there's lots of extremes of what you just said. There are builders who tried to use a design studio in a pure retail location to entice people to consider building in the first place. That, generally speaking, has not panned out. Uh, a couple of people have made it work, but for the most part, that that was not something that builders saw happen in large enough numbers to justify mm-hmm. over, over-specking out a design studio space or paying normal retail location charges. But that idea of, I've been out to a model, I'm considering it, and now I can come over on Saturday afternoon during this two-hour open house window just to see what's behind the curtain, Yeah, I definitely think can help people understand, yeah, this is going to be worth doing. For sure. Yeah. And get them excited kind of to get to see the different options and yeah, it definitely, help them visualize it. Definitely planted the desire even more so for me. And I see new homes every single day to like, hey, mm-hmm. let's maybe let's maybe go visit a new home and try this <laughs> yeah. thing again. Um, even though we were not looking at existing, I mean, at new, we were only looking at existing um, prior. Well, it's, it's I'm sure, and I know going through this process, similar to you just a year ago, night and day when you go through a couple of those resales to uh, then when you go yeah. into like, right, you go in, you're like, <laughs> sign me up. Sign me up. Take my money. Take my money. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Andrew, you went to a sales meeting. I did. Correct? I did go to a sales meeting. Okay. Yeah. So again, we should have said this at the beginning. This is not like a, I'm going to take away a ton of things to go apply to my builder episode necessarily. This is just a, hear someone's perspective who doesn't do what you do every day on, wow, that's interesting, or that surprised me, or I wasn't expecting. Just kind of, you don't get a chance to have that experience. It's like watching your favorite movie with someone who's never seen it before. And I've never (laughs) seen a movie and like I've never been to a builder and never been at like even Mm -hmm. more so. So like completely new and green. Yeah. What were you expecting a sales meeting to be like? Um, numbers and almost like, because we meet with our builders and it's, you know, uh-huh. numbers, right? It's marketing and there's, you know, yeah. things to fix, things that are great, all that type of stuff. Like what are the challenges, everything. I was expecting more focus on that versus the focus being on people. More mm-hmm. so it was on people. Um, Tell me more about that. Yeah. So they had the, a, a mock sales presentation and it was in this circumstance, it was a newer sales agent with a more experienced sales agent and he goes and mm. I, I think they had maybe like 12 sales agents there and so he's right there in front of all of them and it was probably like 25 minutes of him doing his thing with this person who was she pretended to be a grandmother she has grandkids she needed she had this whole story and he had a wrap around his presentation to her story mm-hmm. in front of all his peers who then after the fact gave him so here's a feedback this is what we really like about you you just got to show this you know the way you smile like you need to show that more I think mm-hmm. people connect and so all these I'd be like oh geez if that was me I'd, this would be awful um <laughs> 
but that's why I'm not in sales. <laughs> yeah. But at the same Would time, you say it felt more like an acting class then? That part of it anyway? It was like, so yeah, if you watch The Office, there's the improv scenes uh, yeah. with Michael Scott. Yes. It was it was just like that. Yeah, it was it was like an acting that's class. Funny. It was it was like you need to be not like their acting would be you know something you're not, but like just hey, here's your personality. Like let let your personality show. I think people will need to see that, but also talk about mm-hmm. these things, which is interesting. He did great on everything uh logistics wise as far as like you need to talk about this, you need to talk about that, all these mm. certain things that makes ideal homes special. But then most of the feedback was like, hey, like the way you're talking right now, like just talk like that with with everyone. Like that'd be what you want to do. And they do that. I think they do that every week and it just changes mm-hmm. who is on the spot. So you're, you know, every three months, you're pretty much in front of everyone, but don't have an mm-hmm. off day. And it's right there in a model yeah. home. So they just pick, they change the location. Um, yep. I'm sure it's really helpful kind of keep everyone on their toes. Oh yeah. Making sure they're at the top of their game, you know, kind of a refresher. Cause I feel like a lot of times I'd seen before in the past where, you know, I've been, it's you kind of, as in sales, you get comfortable. It's easy to, mm-hmm. to kind of get into a routine or you either reach your quota. So you kind of just don't think twice about different situations. So it's nice to see that kind of keeping them involved with one another. Mm-hmm, for sure. And let's see what else happened there. At the oh, there was a um, mortgage loan officers were there with one of the banks. So they brought breakfast. So that was nice. Everyone was real happy, real happy mm. about that. <laughs> and of course, after the meeting's done, people are like, okay, my mind is not here. They got their chance to talk, which I'm sure that's completely normal. They have to stick around for the whole thing and then mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. get, the, get the pitch a few things. But I was surprised there was actual good conversation between everybody with the mortgage. It was good. Not just breakfast and here you go. Thanks. Send us more people. It was, it was meaningful. <laughs> then I believe you also made some prospecting calls oh, from yeah. online sales leads, right? I did. I made some calls, put me on the phone. <laughs> it was a mix up between the videos and the calls and we opted with with the calls. I had a, a 25% answer rate. So that was <laughs> that was great. Uh, one out of, yeah, they were, yeah, long-term prospecting calls. So older older leads that might not be as- Dialing for dollars. Yeah. Yep. Which wasn't, it wasn't too bad. Like it, you know, it is what it is. Like way back when, when I was doing e-commerce, so this was before, like this was, you know, six years ago, um, where I was, Andrew Morgan's on the, one of the previous um, episodes uh-huh. when we worked together. Like I'd fill in on the phone, answer the more technical questions on the products. For some reason, I just understood them better. So that was normal for me. And I'd type, I'm like, that's like the same thing we're doing. We're just answering questions and helping people decide if it, if they need No, you were calling people in the middle of their lunch and trying to sell them a house. That's well, <laughs> yeah. the, way, the way you sound like that, it sounds depressing. But yeah, I think if you have the mindset of the way it, like, I'm like, I could do this. Oh, awesome. I just came up right. with your challenge for 2019 then. Oh, I know no. what I would make Andrew do. Being a, oh no, not good. Oh uh, yeah. All the OSCs listening, let's challenge just me. send me your ideas for a challenge for Andrew. But I, right. get their, I get their He's commissions. That was the only rule. That's the only, right. cause they have that mind that you're like, okay, here's my notebook. I'm writing down like one appointment, two appointment, three. So you, that's your motivator. Yeah. And then you have the right mindset of like, I'm not interrupting this person. This person is shopping for home. It's super important. I'm helping them. And then you could, mm-hmm. then your confidence, I think would be up the mental barrier of like, mm-hmm. I'm going to bother them. No, you're not selling. Yeah. I don't think. So it's, you talked to one person. How did it go? Um, well, he was looking to buy a home for his daughter. He's, well, geez, he was down in Texas. So it was like a long shot. It was a Hail Mary of like, can this person. <laughs> so I didn't get an appointment, but he's, I think five hours away or something like that. Mm. So the next time the action item was follow up in a month, I'll be up that way. And hopefully I can. So he's mm. not a set schedule the way, or he was just trying to get off on one of the two. Got it. Okay. What else did you do while you were there? We shopped some competitors, sort of. Well, we, right. we walked their product. Uh-huh. Also mm. saw all of the different products that 
Oracle has all their different homes, which they're like, their price range is all over the place as far as they really serve everybody in, yep. in the market, which is really, for me, it's cool to see that in person because online you can make a home that is, say, from 150 like a, a more starter home price with not the premium product, still you know great quality, but not the high-end stuff. You can make it look great with Photoshop and just a good picture and great lens. Um, but seeing it in person, mm -hmm. you're like, oh, okay. So I saw all of theirs and we saw the competitors and you know, spoke with you, visited their agents that were on site at their models. So was, it was fun to see. Did you feel like there was a, and don't kiss up to Oh, no. uh, did you feel like there is a, a noticeable difference or did it feel like a house is a house is a house? What, what was your takeaway? There was one, I forgot the, the name, but it was very clear like they were outdated in their design. As soon as you walked in and I myself and I forgot her name, but she helps designs and, and, and picks the selections with their homes. She's she was, mm -hmm. she works out of town, but she comes into town every now and again. The person who does the color selections for inventory, like correct? People, homes that are built without a customer. Owner. Correct. Yep. Um. Oh, okay. So was, and as soon as we walked in, we were like, "Oh, this is like ten years old, but it's a brand new house." And yeah, that was that was really strange. But then there's their more direct competitor, and I'd say mm -hmm. if you were in the very very early stages of, of, of buying, you really wouldn't notice a difference. You'd be like, "Oh, they all look kind of nice," but then once you start to actually okay let's which one are we going to go with that's when you'll be like oh well does that that way this one this mm -hmm. competitor does it that way i kind of like the way this one does it not unless there weren't things that i noticed that were like quality trades issues like oh look mm -hmm. the drywall is all terrible that was seemed to be the same but just the the selections i like i've always liked their stuff if you go on their site and check it out they do a really good job of, of everything they build the way they do their selections it's a little market research yeah little market research it was fun it was freezing it was cold it was like 40 degrees <laughs> yeah probably some of those things like what little just different 40? than florida 40 overcast little windy and kind of rainy but it was good is fun. I think I would prefer that than most of the time Negative. when I've been this like 102. Yes. Ooh, and yeah, that just yeah. oppressively so hot. For your three days, kind of a crash course, getting to see the inside scoop of everything behind the scenes. Andrew, would you say it lived up to your expectations or was it kind of really different than what you imagined it would be like? It did. It did. So I am fortunate. I, I like to say fortunate because I get to grind out on digital stuff all day, every day. But if you're mm -hmm. doing everything and if you're that's in, but I'm not uploading 50 pictures a day, like on a single yeah. home, like that's a lot. There's a lot of work that is done outside of just the Facebook ads, Google ads, running in analytics, mm -hmm. troubleshooting houses that might not be selling or communities are trying to improve things. There's this whole other hours and hours and hours of, of work that's done that supports all that. And sometimes yep. I think I might forget mm -hmm. that. Like, oh, there's a lot to do outside of it. How often when you were spending time with Mm -hmm. Was he interrupted or had his phone go off or uh, all day? He was, he was, he was busy. He was busy. I mean, we, we definitely had times where like we would talk for like 20, 30 minutes or mm -hmm. we had lunch. It wasn't interrupted, but we also had lunch with the, with the sales manager. So it wasn't like we were just hanging out, but yeah, it was, it was quite a bit all the time. All, all yeah. Time. So like you said, the luxury that we have of yeah. like, there's no bodies on the table and what we do. So we might build a new campaign for someone, tweak something existing. We're always doing work, but the urgency of I've got to get this done right now or something bad is already happening or is going to happen. You know, yep. like pricing updates. We do not intent intentionally, like we don't want to know how to get on your website. We don't want to touch that because mm -hmm. then if we don't want you even asking us, will you please update our pricing or yeah. we're, just not, we're not going to do that kind of stuff. So the ability to say, I'm going to spend the next hour breaking apart this community and figuring out what's wrong. You can imagine that would be hard for 
to do oh, yeah. that means- during business hours mm-hmm. because yeah. you're you're constantly juggling the needs of not just salespeople or marketing people, but office staff and office administrators staff. Yeah. and owners. The owners. And- yeah, the owners. Like, yeah, they're coming in. I think I, I saw the owners quite a bit. Yeah. And one of them wanted to talk, have a fairly lengthy conversation about having something that had nothing to do with home building, right? Yeah. And ask my input. Yeah. He thought I wrestled too. So that was fun. I must be, <laughs> must be working. I'm like, no. He's quite like, a compliment. Did you, did you wrestle in high school? I'm like, no, I was in the marching band. And they looked at me with, <laughs> looked at me with much disappointment. I'm like, oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> and then you already wrote a blog post about this, but uh, talk just briefly kind of the one exercise that I think stood out to you more than anything else, just because it was very similar to what you do, but in a slightly different environment that you did it. Yeah. So put me on the spot. He's like, Hey, and this was like, as soon as we sat in his office, it's like, I got this home. It's 500 days old. I'm like, I look at him. I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> what? Let's figure What can you tell me what you see? I'm not going to tell you anything. I'm like, okay. So I pulled up first thing I look at, um, with like the five P's of marketing, like in my brain, I'm like, okay, are people even looking at this? So is there enough promotion? And it was like 1200 page views the past. I forgot what the time frame was, but like, okay, 1200 people looked at this thing. Unique views. There's no reason mm-hmm. like something, it should have been the contract maybe that fault like something should have happened with this thing nope nothing happened I'm like oh geez this is a hard one this is embarrassing look at the pictures there's nothing weird going on look fine there's a few things i'm like oh what about this like and eh, no one really no one's ever said anything about that go on zillow ask about the price and then we kind of looked like we uh we had some traction there so what what the solution was or what the resolve was the elevations change floor plans change this home appeared to be priced too high from the beginning so that's why it didn't sell in the initial say three months two months six months and then it just never got adjusted quickly enough and aggressively enough to make an impact. And then as new homes went up, they look better. They were the better choice if people are going out. Um, just like how we had the example of looking at the competitors versus ideal. Like yep. you at first you're like, oh, they're fine. But once you start like, we have to buy one of these and get all of our finance in line. Which one do we want to live in? It's like, oh, well, that one's 4,000 more, but look how much better it is. Like it's yeah. at this better condition. Like everything is. And so it was just a lot of little things, cumulative uh-huh. errors or mistake. Not and even. it's easy to write all those off. But yeah. Dan Ariely talked about this in one of my favorite books of all time, Predictably Rational, that if you want to get a date, for example, the best thing you can do is to invite someone who is almost as attractive as you, but not quite. Because in relationship to that individual, you will appear even more attractive. Like these small, minute differences. He did one study where he offered people a free vacation to Paris or to Italy. Then you could also choose a third option, which was Paris with coffee. Mm. So you can go on a vacation to Paris with coffee, Paris without coffee, or Italy. And a vast majority pick Paris with coffee mm. because they're all a, a trip to a great place. But if I get coffee included, why would I not mm. choose that? Yeah. yeah, get the coffee. And so what you're saying it, at first glance, it sounds like, uh, I don't know if that's really why it didn't sell. But if you always have a lot of available inventory in a particular neighborhood and this one house is not terrible, but always just not quite as good of a value or as exciting as another home that's in a comparable price range, it may just have always struck out. Yeah. Mm. So the lesson in my mind that's been like ingrained since I left was like the, this and it's yeah chapter one in his book predictably irrational it's all relative choices like every mm-hmm. time and then yeah. us Lindsay and I choosing the floor plan like we probably had like eight hours of conversation between three different floor plans that are within mm-hmm. $10,000 of each other like when we get price almost didn't really didn't matter at all but they're all and they're about the same size square foot but they're just a little different layout so it's all relative and we actually chose the more popular plan in the whole community because that's what people like more and so it's like well why isn't this one well get a bunch of inventory home 
homes of that less popular floor plan, it will take longer because people yeah. want to choose the other one just because it's a little bit better or the other one opposite that might be a little bit, a little bit worse. Yep. Mm-hmm. So and it happens all the time where a certain impetus brings someone in. They think they want three bedrooms or four bedrooms or X number of square feet or a certain type of layout. There's something that causes that initial excitement about working with a particular builder or in a community or product. And a lot of times that is not the thing that comes out the other end at all, because in that exploration process, in that relativity of all their different things they could choose from, they realize that something else they had never considered in the past was what they really wanted, which I think is why AI is going to have a harder time than we think doing a good job predicting what product I really want. Yeah. Because I may not know if I don't shop for it often enough. I think in AI and shopping like on Amazon, like a physical product where it's like Mm -hmm. things you might like and they could do AI. I don't know if it's AI really or if it's just business data like X, these people buy this and you're this type mm-hmm. of person because you bought this item. Um, that's different versus like which one will we live in for the for 10 years, five years. I, yeah. Think, yeah. I think people want, they want to experience the other floor plans. They want to just to rule them out, not to be like, I really like that. Like I, I want to make sure I don't want it. Mm-hmm. Okay, I really don't want it. Check it off the list. All right. We are officially out of, time. out of time. We all have different calls to run to. Andrew, I'm so glad you're able to get this experience. Thanks so much for and letting him come out and spend the time. And I can't wait to tell you, Andrew, what your challenge is going to be coming up later this year. Thanks for joining us, Andrew, taking the time. Enjoy the rest of your cruise. No, he, he didn't call us from the cruise to join us. <laughs> But uh, always fascinating to hear someone's perspective who has not been a home builder before to take the time and invest that much energy, seeing all the things that are not on your job description that you have to deal with on a regular basis and, and just making all that work. Uh, let, let's go to the answers to last week's question of the week, Jackie. Yeah. So question of the week last week was, are you going to IBS 2019? And how many times have you been there before? A little bit overwhelming. We we will definitely not be able to talk through all all this over 40 comments yeah. uh, deep and some fun banter back and forth. But uh, we'll just kick off with Will, who was first in line. He said less than half as many times as Steve Shoemaker, um, <laughs> which I think we ended up finding out later. Mm-hmm. Where is it at? Steve Steve replied back with the first one was in 2005, pre-recession. Ooh. And he said there was actually wow. a session called Do Builders Need a Website? <laughs> mm. <laughs> I, I said, oh my gosh, we need the name of who those presenters were. We need names and we need an outline. Uh, so he's digging into that for us. But that's pretty, pretty amazing. 2005. Yeah. So that means this is his wow. 14th or 15th. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. That's awesome. Kelly Dunn said she is and she's attended only once, but she can't wait for some awesome work workshops and a little gadget shopping. So heard there's some cool new smart home tech. Is that right, Kevin? There's always good tech on the show floor. I still say (laughs) if this is your first year, do not go to the show floor until the final day because there's too many other things going on. But Mm, it is a great place. I mean, you could spend weeks just looking at every booth and product that's out there. There is a ton of good stuff. I will definitely be gadget shopping with my friend Brian McCarthy from Abrazo (laughs) Homes, no doubt. (laughs) Beth Phillips says no, and she's never been. She feels like she's missing out. Yeah. 
Oh, maybe next. Got to get year. her there. Yeah, next. Well, year. she just had a baby, so you know she's uh, got to. Yeah. I feel her there. Mm. I I can't wait to go. Hopefully next year. So. Yep. Dawn Dansler says yes. This will be my second IBS, but my first as a builder employee. Yeah. So I said welcome to the light side, Dawn, because Dawn previously worked for an agency, and now she is <laughs> employed by the home builder. So it'll be a little bit different perspective for you for sure this year, Dawn. But excited that you're able to join. Harry Regier said second time at IBS, first time in Vegas, but I highly recommend downloading the IBS app to start planning your days. Said thanks, Kevin. So I'm guessing that was a helpful tip. And I see a photo here. Oh, that was so much fun. A really cool photo booth. Yeah. Of Cooler. Yeah. I think Cooler had two different ones set up like this. And so you're standing normal. You kind of look, stand on one leg and it looks like you're defying gravity. Like the whole room is sideways. Oh, oh, that is so cool. Yeah. I love that. (laughs) I feel like Vegas, because of it being fast paced in general, that it's just smart to go in kind of being prepared, planning. I feel like you have to do that after the workshops are done too, whether that's finding some builder friends or getting together afterwards. There's so much to do. Yeah, there's no shortage of, of things to do. And I would say definitely start with a plan, but be totally open to calling an audible as well. If you yeah. get connected with a great group of people and they're going to go do something, and there's no reason just to stick with it just because. How about Jackie Lipinski? This will be my second time to IBS Vegas. And the best advice I have for any first timers would be to download the app, plan out out what you want to see. And the most important thing, make sure you wear comfortable shoes. You're going to be walking. Mm. Yes, you will. Oh, yeah. Us women could totally appreciate that advice. Yes. I, and guys probably break in any new shoes yeah. that you may be wanting I, to That wear. was one of the worst uh, years of my life as I bought a brand new pair of dress shoes <gasps> to go to the builder Ooh. show. I think it was the first year <gasps> Ooh, that I no. went and it was in Vegas. Yeah, I had oh, terrible blisters Kevin. on the back of my foot. Dress oh, shoes no. especially. Just break them in, put them in the washing yeah. machine or something Wear them before yeah. you come. All day, every day right. for yep. two months before. All right, let's do rapid fire just real fast right in a row. Elizabeth Brettenstein said, looking forward to her first time. Meredith Oliver says she'll be there. This is number 19. 19. Wow. And my 18th 19. consecutive speakings. That's awesome, Meredith. Yeah, yeah, Meredith. Noth That's is awesome. joining for the first time. Beth is going for the first time. Beth Ann. Uh, Carla Tootin uh, will be there. Carrie Woodward is going to miss this year, but she's been six times before. Jen Nowak, yes. Amanda Druchelle says, I wish. Amy Alexander says, I'm going to the summit. Everyone join me. <laughs> That's <funny. laughs> Kevin Weitzel. Yes. Number three. And Angela McKay from Lasso CRM. The lucky number eight for her. And the winner wow. by random draw of the prize for this week, we gave away a Facebook Portal Plus. That's the kind of iPad looking thing that you sit on oh. your countertop. It's got a, it's, it has oh, a really nice so speaker cool. in it. It does Alexa video wow. calling. Really cool thing. But uh, the winner is Amanda Vance Bonden broke. I'm probably oh. said that completely wrong, but I felt like an Indiana Jones reference there when he goes in that <laughs> castle in the Last Crusade. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. He does yeah. that really bad German <laughs> accent. <laughs> congratulations, Amanda. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. Make sure to DM me and get me your address so I can get that out to you. Enjoy. And this week's question of the week is going to be also related to the Builder Show, but in particular, something, let's be selfish now. What sessions would you most like the Do You Convert team to cover at the show that you will not be able to attend? So if you're going and you have things that are conflicting and you're not going to be able to attend, but you really want to know the key takeaways, let us know. If you're not coming to the Builder Show at all and there's a couple that you're getting 
having severe FOMO about, let us know. And we are going to try to, from the group there, divide and conquer as much as possible to get to several of them. And then we'll recap them for you in a couple of blog posts after the show is over. So if you're not going, that's all right. Still download the app, take a look at the different uh, titles, paste, post the link in the, the Facebook group, and we'll be sure to try to do our best to help you out. Awesome. awesome. All right. And that'll do it for this week for published articles, blog posts, videos, and more. Check out doyouconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with all of us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and the like, except for Jackie, because she's hiding on LinkedIn. <laughs> I am hiding on LinkedIn. That's okay. You don't have to be a professional anymore. Uh, seriously, I got to, <laughs> you know, I got to step on my game here. Yeah, Jackie. All right. Have a good week, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye.